0: Van Gogh was a painter, Gavin. And I'm Who's gonna say composer? let's let's Van Gogh on to uh. this entry. Welcome back, everyone, to the MLS Now podcast. I'm your host, Russell. You can find me on social media at MrDangerRust. You can find the podcast on social media at MLSNowPodcast. And you can find our wonderful co-host, who is sitting here painting a mental image of what he wants to say after I've cut him off from being able to talk about painters. You can find him on social media at LionsBlog1. Gavin, hello. Hello. I'm trying to think of...
1: The famous old composer, conductor, whatever they're called. Bach? Um, Haydn? No, no, no. That's too niche. I don't even know who those guys are. He's you don't literally even like you don't the know the most who Bach is? One. I feel like I've heard that name. Beethoven? Beethoven. Thank you. Your coughs Uncultured. were like Beethoven in my ears. Your coughs mm-hmm. pre-pod. And then you just merged into the pod without...
0: Without notifying me. It was it was like you gave me whiplash. My neck hurts. I'm more than happy to do that to you. And Gavin, if you couldn't tell, my favorite composer is of course Haydn, uh, which is why my coughs were much like his iconic surprise symphony in your ears.
1: Hmm. Okay, I've never heard of Haydn either, but well. here's the thing. My neck doesn't hurt from the whiplash. My neck hurts because I slept on it weird last night.
0: Or two two three nights ago at this
1: point? Yeah.
0: Hey, Gavin, I'll I'll tell you there's one thing about getting old, and there's no hiding from it.
1: You got me there. Um, Gotcha. My favorite composer is the one who did the MLS jingle. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Remember when they rebranded like four years ago? I think it was for the 25th anniversary season, and then COVID happened. And then they got the new the composer guy who did like Titanic and he did a bunch of famous stuff. Star Wars,
0: maybe. I don't know. Um, E.T. I think he did E.T.
1: You don't know um, what I'm talking about?
0: I, I, I know this person and I'm going to Google it. Yeah. And I'm going to know the name exactly. I am anticipating you to get it pretty quickly. Um. Here. OK, well. I, this wasn't who I thought it was. John Williams is the one who did the composing for E.T. Okay. I don't think that's the same guy. Is it? Well, then that now tells me that, yeah, maybe not, your favorite that composer that is not John Williams.
1: Who composed MLS Anthem? Hans oh. Zimmer. That's,
0: yeah, who Hans Zimmer.
1: that's who I was thinking
0: That's who I was thinking that you meant. Yeah, that's enough. what I meant. Hilariously, Gavin, this is going to blow you away Hans Zimmer's not who did Star Wars either It was also John Williams Sounds like your favorite composer is John Williams (laughs)
1: What? So Hans Zimmer Gaslit me into thinking that He did all these famous things and he just Didn't. No, 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 no Gavin,
0: you gaslit yourself Into thinking (laughs) Hans Zimmer did all these Things because I think you wanted to be able to say The name Hans Zimmer, which is a very Fun name, but John Williams. Hans Zimmer did
1: The Lion King? What? Okay, let me go to his Wikipedia. This is the Hans Zimmer podcast, okay? This is just what we're doing today. I don't care about his early life. What?
0: Hey, you know what? Hans Zimmer also did not do Titanic. Who did? Uh, Don't tell me John Williams did it. It was not John Williams. Apparently it was James Horner.
1: Okay, okay
0: another j name though i just want to see his discography
1: that's all i want to see the lion king dune gladiator the dark knight okay that's a pretty good one uh inception that's a good one wow i just interstellar i loved interstellar interstellar is th- a good I, movie i just thought hans zimmer had like a way bigger um Resume, and he, I mean, like, he's got a decent one, but, whatever. Uh, um, Look, Pirates of the Caribbean, okay, or Pirates of the Caribbean, whatever you want to call it.
0: I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah. Call of Duty MW2, I mean, that's, that's iconic, to be fair. To be fair, MW2 loading screen is pretty iconic. Blackhawk, okay, okay. Kung Fu Panda, Black Hawk Down, Madagascar. Okay, he's getting me. He's getting me.
0: Right. I like how none of these were the original scores that you (laughs) talked about for the iconic things that you believed Hans Zimmer was responsible for. And for which he was responsible for none of them.
1: Someone lied on the internet, and I don't know who, but it's bothering. It, I, it, it Gavin, definitely it's got you me. right
0: now. You're lying <laughs> on the internet. You're spreading misinformation that Hans Zimmer did Star Wars and Titanic <laughs> by telling our know, listeners know, that he did know. that, it was not. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Okay, shall we get into the episode? <laughs> yeah, uh, Gavin, I, I think we should because you know. I think people have probably turned us off by now if they yeah, aren't regular listeners to us and they think that we might be insane doing a you know composer podcast on what we have titled as a soccer show. So yes, we should move on, shouldn't we? Yes. Hey, as a side note, you know, I was playing through Cyberpunk 2077 recently and they've got a good soundtrack as well.
1: Okay. Okay, well so, You definitely just reeled us back in.
0: Who did that one? Uh, No, it's various (laughs) artists, but you can actually find like some of the, uh, some of like the fake bands in that game. You can actually find them on Spotify. And that blew me away. Uh, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like they were, you know, trying to copy a number of different, like kind of punk rock bands, maybe like towards rock and roll, more like alternative. And, Yeah, they've combined all that into what they dubbed as that band. I don't know. I'm getting big, like, Rage Against the Machine vibes from them. Well, the game's called Cyberpunk,
1: so I think that fits the title pretty well.
0: Anyways, yeah, sorry. I I was going through my Spotify wrapped, and it didn't make it because I only started listening to the soundtrack from that game recently. But it'll be on my next one. Maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100% okay now I'm done with music the music league soccer podcast
1: music league soccer now podcast
0: yeah I don't know we'll workshop the title on that one Gavin let's talk about major league soccer though I do want to start by talking about an interesting development that happened today as we are recording this so this will spoil parts of the show for people where we talk about MLS Cup finals which is going to be between Columbus Crew and LAFC. That should tell you who won the matches. Sorry if you did not watch them. We'll we'll talk about them here shortly. However, MLS Cup finals is an MLS event, Gavin. I don't know if you're aware of this by the name MLS Cup, but it is administered by Major League Soccer, not necessarily even though it's at lower.com field, not necessarily the Columbus Crew. And as a result, the event is apparently already fully sold out because the sponsor, the like corporate sponsor code leaked online and people bought up all the tickets before they could even go to Columbus Crew supporters.
1: Whoa. Yeah.
0: Even in like I the did supporter not hear sections. That. Yeah. So no way. Apparently, it's an enormous thing that like, a huge amount of Columbus supporters can't even get into the event because all the tickets got sold before they were supposed to to people who weren't supposed to be able to access them. That is so messed up. Is, you know, is the story that I'm hearing going through social media. Can you guess which ticketing service is the one in charge of this event? Uh, Ticketmaster, right? They're. You are correct. Yeah, Yeah. they're
1: the ones linked with MLS.
0: Mm -hmm. Continues to be the worst ticketing service that exists, right? And this is, I think, just another very good reason as to why Ticketmaster is not good. If you need to buy ticket insurance from a ticket website, that's how you know there's a problem. (laughs) I think most of the ticket sites at this point, we all know and admit begrudgingly, even if we're buying from them are a scam ticketmaster takes it to a new level though they have refined the art of the scam
1: yeah that's uh horrible news um and just i don't want to say growing pains but almost yeah it's growing pains for the league like people forget sometimes how young the league is i think twenty six years the first time
0: t- it's happened though
1: right like exactly but that's how you've got to grow is you have to make these mistakes and next year this won't happen right like whatever 80. the sponsor code is it will be on lockdown absolute lockdown more lockdown than this year's more lockdown than the gta 6 trailer it will be on lockdown
0: for the record the gta 6 trailer leaked online today as well so and then there were some leaks the other day too right now not the whole trailer enough, but like
1: gameplay or whatever
0: You know, Rockstar did say, hey, the trailer is already leaked online, so we're going to post the official one on YouTube so you can at least go watch that one instead of the leaked one. So good on them for responding and, you know, not sticking rigidly to a plan like they actually reacted to it and I think did the right thing. And basically, well, here's the problem
1: is they probably had a financial some sort of financial plan based on the release and then someone leaked it. And so they were losing finances like
0: by the second based on YouTube clicks. It could potentially be that as well, or they wanted to have it. I don't know. Maybe they were gonna have like the trailer go live at some big, major televised event. I don't, who knows?
1: Or, and, or the leak was part of the communication plan, and it ooh, was intentional. I have very big. Hat? I have very big mistrust for big companies with marketing. I don't know why, but yeah,
0: maybe it could was just you part imagine? of the um, the marketing. What if? Yeah, what if the leak was intentional all along, Gavin? This is amazing guerrilla marketing then.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got to come up with new tactics in this day and age, whatever gets the most clicks.
0: Right, and here we are. It clearly works because if if that were to be what it is, I don't know if it is or not. But if it were, it worked because here we are talking about it on a soccer podcast and not a video game podcast. Although yeah. apparently we're a you know composer podcast as well, so…
1: We're an everything but MLS podcast.
0: Right. We'll be doing we'll be doing a full review, Gavin, on our next episode of the various composers from the Baroque era of (laughs) composers. So please read up on that and look forward to that discussion on our next segment.
1: I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait.
0: I Gavin, I don't know if you can even I don't even know if you could spell Baroque for the time period of classical music. Okay, it's B-A-R-O-Q-U-E. You Googled that. I know it. No, no, I knew that. I knew that from history class. Okay. Well, you've impressed me then, Gavin. Well done. Yep, you're welcome. You know, unlike Ticketmaster, which has not impressed me, and unlike MLS offices, which have also not impressed me on this scandal, and I think it's safe to call it a scandal, right, Gavin? If Columbus fans
1: can't get to the game without paying an arm and a leg, then yeah, it's absolutely a scandal.
0: That is true. It will cost them an arm and a leg because – We know what ticket resellers are like at this point. Yeah, and I think I think MLS should do something
1: to subsidize the fans that do go that got screwed over by this mistake. I think I think either Ticketmaster or the league should do something to subsidize it because they're getting they're the ones getting screwed. It was already going to be expensive, but it's now way more expensive because they're getting resale tickets.
0: So. I will tell you right now, Gavin, the cheapest ticket available on SeatGeek, not Ticketmaster, is $302.
1: Yeah, that's that's ridiculous.
0: And that is in section 232, which is in the very Knows corner of the sure. stadium. Yeah. And yes, it is, I think, arguably one of the least desirable sections that you could sit in. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, if I click on, I don't know, like what do seats near – The center of the field up top costs you still $350. That's absurd. Yep. So hopefully they get subsidized. They won't, but no, no, they sure won't. And it is unfortunate that that happens. My heart goes out to, you know, the regular fans. My heart does not go out to the Columbus crew uh, or MLS offices because they set up the system in a way that that was possible and they need to own that. But for the fans, that sucks yep all right all right, well, Gavin, shall we talk about how m l s cup final came to be by discussing each of the two matches that occurred this past Saturday?
1: Yes, I think you've been uh avoiding one of them, so I have maybe been we avoiding start with the it.
0: other one first no no i I think we should rip the band aid off all right, rip it off for me, Russell all right, well, so the hosting team Columbus uh, obviously prevailed over FC Cincinnati in a dramatic come from behind win, overcoming a 2-0 deficit in the second half to win 3-2 in extra time. It was with great pain and sorrow that I watched that Gavin, I have to tell you, as a neutral, it must have been a blast. And you are a neutral, and I would guess you had a blast. Oh,
1: absolutely. Well, I I'm mean, glad one of us. I fun. was <laughs> I was almost speechless um, by the end of the game. I mean, so many good chances back and forth, some drama, um, both with you guys uh, getting the goal, the second goal, there was some drama there, which I don't think is drama at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's a foul. Um, I
0: agree with you on that, for the record. I, plus, you I you're didn't biased, think it was. But... No, 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 I didn't think it was a foul in real time. And when you saw the replay, I was like, at minimum to me, I don't think that's a yellow card. I think it's incidental contact. But good I guess good on Alan Chapman having the eyes of like a bird of prey to catch a very, very, very minor collision right. between a thigh and a foot that pushed, you know, Vasquez's foot into the back of his other leg. I technically there's contact, so I, I guess it's a foul, but I'm blown away how he caught that because I it took me until they did it in slow mo and staring at it for like 3 minutes to see it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh I agree, but then um the goal that they took away
1: from you guys. The Bupenza goal?
0: Right. Where Vasquez pushed someone, you know, and committed a foul. Oh, I thought they called it back for handball. The one that oh, came off Oh, you're talking his... about, Oh, sorry, no, 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 that's right. Vasquez Vasquez scored a header and some and I think he also fouled someone in the build up and then that's why they took that one away. Yes, the yeah, Bupenza that, one that came that one off his fine. hand. I mean, it, it came off of an area that is defined as handball. And I mean, that's it's the rules. You can't yeah. score a goal off of a hand. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I hate it. Right. I would have loved for that one to have counted. But that one is the letter of the law. And I don't have issues with it being pulled. Yeah, back. It just
1: kind of I guess I'm just speaking to the drama in the game. And then obviously the comeback from 2-0 down to 3-2. Uh, Columbus just finding the way to win. So yeah, as a neutral, absolutely loved it. I'm sure many of the people who are listening, who watched the game, feel the same way. It was one of the bet- better games of this season's playoffs. All the reason why I love single elimination games, because <clears throat> um, <laughs> if Columbus were two zero down on the road and best of three, I don't know if we see this kind of comeback.
0: Just yeah, I, they just, might just pack it in at that point and say, you know yeah, what? Yep, we saw. Not that. going to extra time. Just. Let's play it out at home and let's get the win there. And then we'll come back and try again.
1: Yep, that's absolutely what we saw. I'm pretty sure they did that against Atlanta. Okay, uh, let's get the uh, the expert's opinion on the game.
0: Uh, give it to me. Oh my gosh. Well, where, where do I even start? Um, I think, believe it or not, I think Chapman actually called a mostly consistent game from what he was allowing from contact for most of it. I mean, he he started to call everything on contact later in the match, and I guess he was more or less consistent there as well, in that he was calling everything then. And early on, he was not calling anything at all. I mean, you know, I know Diego Rossi had a shout for a penalty kick based on like a fifty-fifty challenge. He didn't allow that, and it was consistent with all the other contact that he was not calling on some pretty physical challenges. So I will say. If, even if I didn't love the decisions as they went, by and large, they felt consistently ignored for both teams or consistently overcalled for both teams. So, Gavin, would you say that that's an accurate assessment? Did you feel that as a neutral?
1: Yes, yes. I do appreciate how I asked you to give me your assessment of the game and you went straight to the referee. It's
0: very on brand with the podcast, Right. Very on, well, very on brand for playoffs, Gavin. Yeah. I do and agree I know, with you. 100%. And people will always talk about refereeing because it's a hot topic issue right now. So that said, uh, I do want to talk about the actual match now, now that I've got the referee disclaimer out of the way. I would say, in general, Columbus outplayed and probably Nancy outcoached Noonan. Some general notes that I had for the first half Columbus, extremely dominant in possession tons of entries into the final third however i think they were relatively disorganized in how they pressed cincinnati's back line and as a result they did not get any of the goals that you later saw them score when they were a little bit more composed in that final third i think there was maybe an intention to kind of be frantic and see if they could overwhelm cincinnati with some quick pressure and i think they were relatively resilient to that they weren't great but they were resilient to it and held off goals in the first half. It felt like there were multiple chances and some very narrow margins that broke Cincinnati's way. And then Cincinnati, relatively out of possession. However, when they had the ball in the first half, they generally got forward into dangerous spots and forced good saves out of Schulte. And in, on the times that he didn't have a good save, they scored. Through the first 45, I thought to myself, they really need today being Cincinnati, really need to shape up in the second half because you can't play this way for a full 90 minutes. You can't allow this much pressure and this much dominance and this many entries into the final third by the other team, or else it's going to come back and bite you. Gavin, first half thoughts?
1: No, yeah, I think that sums it up well. Um, Cincinnati were just, I guess, a little bit fortunate. I mean, I
0: think you guys deserved your lead, but still a little bit fortunate. Um, fortunate is a good word for it. I think the the second goal, especially, was very fortunate. I mean, it was a worldy of a goal. Lucho you know, takes a free kick and then banks that off of a post behind Schulte. I mean, you you can't do that intentionally. I I don't believe. No, you. yeah. So yeah, so yeah, fortunate. Um, and then the second half. I mean, the second half. So I would say Cincinnati lost the second half in two different ways. First, I think they let themselves get out of momentum. They kind of sat back a little too much. And especially once they had some goals called back in the second half, they really slowed down. They did not keep the pressure on. They did not continue to press thinking, well, we've got two goals and it's 30 minutes left in the match. We've got two goals and it's 25 minutes left in the match. And you know the seventieth minute rolls around, and one of the issues that I really had, and in the post game Pat Noonan admits that he got this wrong was the substitutions for Cincinnati were entirely wrong could not have disagreed more with the substitutions that were made and when they were made. just putting that out who were the, the subs who
1: were the subs? so
0: the substitutions you had Arias come off, and I believe they put in um. Ray Gattis, that's the only one that I was okay with because Arius could not move at that point. Uh, he was done. That was a forced substitution. The other substitutions, you had Aaron Bupenza being replaced by Dom Baji, which I personally would have maybe put Baji in for Vasquez. I thought Bupenza was one of your few people that was keeping Columbus's back line honest. He was a threat. He was frequently offsides, but he was a threat that they had to keep an eye on. And, you know, I, I think part of Bupenza coming off freed Columbus up to play a much higher line without fear of what a quick break would look like from Cincinnati's attackers. The one that I think was actually the biggest mistake was taking off Yu Yakubo for Obina Wobito. I would have kept Kubo on and potentially rotated him forward, or I would have put in Wobito for Moreno. But Kubo was having a phenomenal match. And I think taking him off really disrupted the control, the little control they had of the midfield and completely opened it up for Columbus. I mean, once Kubo came off, Columbus scored both those goals when he was off the field. Which is crazy
1: because you would think it's the opposite where Nobodo comes on to shore things up.
0: So Right. I I mean, look, not having Wobodo meant that Cincinnati was not super effective in how they controlled and possessed and broke up attacks in the midfield. And it let guys like Rossi have a lot more time on the ball. And I think you saw the struggle when Miazga continued to be out, right? Like this was I think this was really, really worst case scenario because Miazga did not have to be out for this match. This he missed due to his suspension for going into that uh, referee locker room, right? So much of the strategy and so much of the way that you would hope to play against Columbus fell apart once you no longer had two good center backs or playing out from under pressure. And that's exactly what Columbus did. And that's where Columbus broke down Cincinnati. And they broke them down extremely effectively as the match went on because there was no one other than Muscara who could play out from under pressure. Miazga is there in the back line to be an outlet. He's there to help direct traffic. He's there to help keep your line organized. The first goal, the own goal off Powell, develops in part, I think, to a disorganized back line. Powell at you know right center back with Miazga in the middle probably is not in that position. He's probably tracking more out wide because Mascara would not have to go as far in. Uh, or as far out into the field. I whole wholeheartedly believe that Miazga prevents that own goal scenario where you had a very disorganized grouping all kind of running back not really knowing where they're going. And for that matter same thing. I mean the uh the equalizer by Columbus came off Mascara essentially passing the ball to uh Diego Rossi in the 90 somethingth minute. And I think just cooler heads would have, A, cleared that out of the way, out of the back line, and B, they probably would have controlled the ball better back there so they weren't just sitting there pinging the ball around and constantly panicking trying to get this ball out somewhere, somehow. And that eventually broke down into a really golden opportunity that Rossi capitalized on. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense looked very easy to break down for Columbus, and I think we both know why that is.
1: Yeah, um, there's already been so much said about Miazga, just what he did wasn't smart, all things considered, and he definitely hurt his team's chances. The center back position is such an important position in your team. If you think about it, you can't really send an attacking unit forward at full capacity if you don't trust your center backs. And when you have your second string center backs in there, no matter what any coach says, they're not going to fully trust them. They're second string for a reason. And that's also with the players on the pitch, right? If you, if you look back and you see your, your backup center backs back there, you're going to, you're going to be a little bit more, um, defensive. You're going to sit a little bit deeper because you want to protect your goal. Your instinct is to keep the ball out of your net. And so maybe Kubo st- sits a little bit deeper than he would have. Maybe Arias stays a little bit more defensive than he would have. That sort of thing. Um, same with Barial, who I thought was sitting very deep in this match for how he usually plays. So I, I... I I just think center back is such an important position for the way your team obviously defends, but plays the, the overall game. They are the the spine, the base of your team. So losing Miazga was was really, really big.
0: Yeah. And, you know, here's the knock on effect of that, Gavin. If Miazga is in, Alvis Powell's coming in as a substitution, probably at right wing back for Arias instead of Gaddis. Because Mascara would be on the left, letting Barial go further up the field. Murphy's going to be on the right, and Arias is, you know, maybe a little bit more free to go up the field. Because, you know, maybe with Murphy, there's not as much of a worry that Arias needs to track back to be a physical presence. On top of that, when Powell is your first substitution, instead of, you know, being a starter... It means that those substitutes that you're able to make later are just a little bit more on tempo, where it's more of what you're expecting as a team. It's what you're used to. It's what Noonan understands. Look, I'm, it's not to excuse his substitutions. I I think he got them, like I said, is almost as wrong as he could have. However, he was sub. He was working with a substitute bench that was much narrower and much weaker than I think what you would expect to normally see. It's on him to manage them i that's ultimately him that's he's the head coach he has to own that and he did post match but I mean it's it's all just factor upon factor upon factor stemming from one very important person who let that team down at the absolute worst time that you possibly could. couldn't agree more all right let's talk about Columbus though Gavin would you I say mean, i I mean Nancy clearly i It pains me to admit it. Clearly outcoached Noonan. The substitutions, though, I think are what turned the match around. If you notice, that's exactly when Columbus just went crazy in this match. I mean, you had Ramirez coming in as well, which Cincinnati had no response for. Honestly, it's just like there was – I think there there was no rhythm from Cincinnati. And then you compound it with the substitutions, and Columbus runs away with it. The second that first goal went in, I think there was a sense of nervousness. The equalizer happened, and I think every single Cincinnati fan knew when extra time was called for that they were going to lose that match. If I'm being honest, because Columbus had all the momentum, all and, and I, they were they looked the better team by a country mile, they looked the more fit
1: team. Like, I, yeah. I think that's just part of it. Like, yeah, the substitutions uh, helped. And yes, they were deeper be- because of what we've already talked about on their bench. But like, my goodness, that you, Diego Rossi was sprinting at full speed up and down that pitch in the hundredth minute. I mean, it and in contrast, came on
0: as substitutes for Cincinnati, who were not running as hard as Diego Rossi at the same period of time, having played yes, fewer than half. The yes,
1: night. yes, and. I mean, in contrast, Acosta couldn't move and he had given everything. And I mean, I, personally, I know what that feels like when you give everything that you can't move and like, you're not going to get subbed out, but just like, just one jog is just too much. Like I, I get it, but that's just a fitness issue. That's not a unwillingness to work hard for your team issue. That was just Acosta ran out of Steam. He couldn't do it anymore. And so I think fitness was a part of it too. It was all across the team, it looked like that you guys didn't have the momentum and you guys didn't have the energy to really push on and, and win the game in extra time. Columbus had all the had all the momentum and um they got that goal. They got that winning goal, and they were just, man, were they were they ready for it? They were on fire and by the end of the by the end of the day, they looked like the team that deserved to win.
0: Absolutely. I would say it's the right result on the night. I, again, as a person who actively supports Cincinnati, it pains me to say it, but it it's factual. It's. It just it is what it is. Agreed, Gavin. Uh, I'm sorry to hear he, it. I'm sorry. Well, to hear that's OK. Uh, this is sports. This is, you know, Cincinnati people are well familiar with this feeling. So, Yep. Yeah. Anything else that you want to put in on this game? Any other final thoughts before we change over to the other side of the country, for that matter, and go all the way over to LAFC versus Houston? No, let's let's head over to L.A. All right. Well, we're going to hop on a plane. We're going to fly way too long at way too high of a cost, and we're going to land in L.A., Gavin. LAFC hosts Houston Dynamo. The match was a little bit delayed. I do want to get your take on this, and we actually had a wonderful listener question on this. So the match was delayed due to flares and pyrotechnics being set off and so much smoke covering the field that players and media and cameras and fans and no one could see for the smoke in that building. One of the questions we got, though, was does MLS need to revisit its pyrotechnics policy because – it seems like some teams can just do this and get away with it, L.A. being one of them. So should just every team be allowed to do this? I mean, I mean, who who's saying they got away with it? Nothing happened. Nothing yet. And Well, and here's the other thing, Gavin. Anything that does happen, I don't think anyone's going to hear about. And there's, I think, so many. Did you see pictures of it? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it looked pretty cool. It <laughs> looks extremely cool. Like, and and here's the other part of it, Gavin. I think it's a very, very big event. It's celebratory in nature. To be honest, people are going to smuggle these in no matter what. You're not going to stop them. Personally, I think I would rather just say have the clubs in the league coordinate and get, you know, safe, approved pyrotechnics that you can plan for. That maybe you set them off a little bit earlier. Right. Right. Because I think it's easier to control something that you know is going to happen by being proactive about it. It, That's my personal take on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I don't know. I'm not close enough to it, obviously, to know if there is a punishment there or not. If they don't get punished, yeah, I don't think that's fair to answer the question. They would have to revisit the policy if they don't get punished. Um, I know in the... Open Cup, Orlando City, I think in the semifinal lit a flare and the club punished the fans. I want to say. I don't think it was MLS because it was the open Cup. I don't think it was Open Cup. I think it was Orlando City punished it. So so I don't I don't know. is there precedent for what the punishment is in this situation? Maybe LAFC gets fined. And oh, no. Big nothing, I, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't really fully understand the, oh, if that
0: was our club, we'd get in trouble. Cause like, has that happened before? If it's happened, I'm certain it's probably happened at Nashville. where they, <laughs> Their security seems to actively hate their fans. Yes.
1: Like I, I can't remember a time where we had a club Set off pyrotechnics and then there'd be a really big backlash from the league and a really big fine. And no, you can't do that. Please, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I just don't remember that. And I don't know.
0: Like, I know teams will attempt to confiscate it. Yeah. Catch it. But here's maybe that's what
1: people are talking about. Like the securities didn't
0: stop it or they were just really good at smuggling it in. Yeah. But if you know people are going to smuggle it in, right. And you know that it adds and makes a really cool atmosphere. At what point do you just say, you know what, let's just work with people on it? I think that's the safest way to go about it than to pretend it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Cincinnati has approved like smoke and all that, that is, it's in approved locations. There are certain amounts of it. They work with the club on it and it looks really cool. You see a goal for, scored for Cincinnati, they're setting off all the smoke cool pictures people are having fun controlled well executed honestly just do that across the league we need more cool pictures give us promo material orlando city
1: does the same thing with purple smoke but um other other teams do it too i think nashville does it i don't know so
0: yeah and i think i think the question specifically points at flares which you know flares being burning hot i think what phosphorus like there's risks to it but absolutely yes if you know people are gonna try and do that I again i just work with people on it find a way to do it safely and promote that all right let's get to on the field yeah oh sorry i forgot we weren't even two on the field yet i was busy talking about pyrotechnics i got nothing for you i'm sorry uh, that's <laughs> It's all right, Gavin. All right. Well, hey, I will say, Gavin, LAFC versus Houston. LAFC advances on a 2-0 win. To our credit, we said, we would be low scoring this one. I thought it would be weird. I felt like this was adequately weird for the record. And I agree with that. I will, I will say I felt like it was adequately weird in that Houston not scoring and not really ever looking like they were going to score.
1: I, I... <sighs> I think they have
0: their moments. They had moments, agree. And Maxine Crepo had a phenomenal performance, but I, I don't know what it like. I was watching it and it's just it felt like one of those matches where you're like, oh, Crepo is going to have a game, isn't he? And then he did have a game and it didn't really feel like I, I didn't feel like Houston at any point had like a momentum swing go towards them.
1: I mean yeah I agree with that. I feel like I did get the vibe that LAFC were in complete control of what they were doing. I mean when you look at the stats at the end of the game, Houston had all of the ball. 70 71% possession I think was the final percentage for Houston, which is insane to think about, but I think LAFC really packed it in well. They they really just didn't give Houston a ton of space to work with in those end stages of the game. And I, yeah, I think they had complete control. I, I agree with the statement that there wasn't a momentum swing.
0: Okay, well, at least we can agree on that.
1: Do you have any thoughts? I, I am t- I'm sick and tired of every <laughs> single big game LAFC scoring off of a set piece. I'm over it. I'm over it. It is like a cheat code. Every single big game set piece goal for LAFC. It's, I swear, it's happened for the last, like, four years for them. Get oh, better at defending. it's a big game header by d- center back. Big game header by center back. Big game flick on goal. Like, <laughs> enough. E- enough.
0: This has to be studied. I don't understand it. I don't know what to tell you, Gavin. I mean, again, just get better at defending set pieces is all I can say. Set pieces, truly, right? I think set pieces may be more important than any other moment in knockout soccer because it gives you a rare moment where you are in complete control. The momentum has either shifted or has come to kind of like a tipping point, right, where people know every single set piece could be a big moment, especially if it's 0-0 or if it's 1-0. When it's close and a goal could change the match, suddenly there's pressure on. Don't let them score because if they do, this could be bad for us. And LAFC thrives in that moment. I think it's important to give them credit that in the moments when it matters, they show up more often than they don't show up.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I just I I don't know if they want it more. I don't know if the ball just falls their way. I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me, but it, it always happens, so whatever. Yeah, I, I, LAFC defended really well in this game, in my opinion. Like I said, I thought they were in complete control of what they were doing, and it's just really interesting how, yet again, some of these attacking-focused teams, every year it seems... One of them gets to the a minimum minimum of one of them gets to the final by like packing it in and playing more defensive and not being so attack oriented. And it's like, oh wait, that this isn't the LAFC we know. Usually they're high flying and um, dominating possession and, and dominating uh, the ball and um, always in the opponent's attacking third. And this time they were the ones sitting deep. And it's just like, yep, that has happened again. <laughs> it's. really weird
0: is that praise for steve trundolo then because absolutely yes i mean when it's that dramatic of a shift you know it has to be intentional you know that is a coaching decision that said guys we're playing against in this case houston here's what we're going to roll out and here's how we're going to play and how we're going to force them to bring the game to us because maybe maybe we say houston's not comfortable doing that or maybe they say we're going to get up, in the second we get up a goal, we're going to change it because we know that Houston are not effective at playing behind a goal away from home. And we think we could transition and get a second goal from that. Whatever he said, whatever his plan was, it worked because they kept a clean sheet and they won 2-0. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, I
1: it, it does come down to coaching for me. Um, we've seen, again, many coaches do it in the past. It just seems to to work for some of these attack minded teams to just kind of shut up shop in the playoffs. It just,
0: just works. Yeah. And honestly, I think in the playoffs, especially playing counterattacking soccer is just, I think it's probably statistically more successful than playing attack. Yeah.
1: Soccer. I Yeah. I believe it is. I believe it is. And so it's definitely a trend that I think teams have caught on to for sure.
0: Yeah. Right. You just get rid of the ball, and it's like, doesn't matter how much of the ball we have, as long as we have more goals at the end of the match. Yeah.
1: We have quality attackers that are going to get us a goal on the fewer chances that we have, but we're going to give up less goals. Props to Houston for making it this far. I don't think anyone at the beginning of the season had them in the conference finals for sure, and they absolutely deserve to be there. So, a bit of a bummer that they couldn't go all the way to MLS Cup final, but got, Got to give props where it's due.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I especially want to show some appreciation to our Houston Dynamo correspondent, Keeping Tabs Pod, who I feel like we lived vicariously through, even as they would like live tweet during these matches where they're, you know, one minute saying, I hate it here. And then the next second being like, I never doubted you, you know, Griffin Dorsey. And (laughs) it's just like, what just happened to you?
1: Did you really never doubt Griffin Dorsey I don't think anyone can say that yeah I think I, that's a they certainly thing can't say I can't say it
0: yeah but point being I loved living their highs and lows and I appreciate them for sticking through the season and not not like wavering in their conviction to covering the team and you know to all fans Absolutely. in general it's just it's it's easier because we talk to keeping tabs on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, shout out to keeping tabs
1: pod. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I. Sorry, I want to throw a pop quiz on you. Not a pop okay. quiz. It's like a, I don't know, like an impromptu question, maybe. All right. Let's hear. It. In so in the wake of some of the teams bowing out of playoffs, and you know. Most recently, you you might have seen the discourse between Houston and Cincinnati fans, but you can include like St. Louis fans in there. You can include SKC fans, any team that has made it into the playoffs. The fan bases have had, I think, different reactions to their exits from the playoffs. And then my question to you, Gavin, is the reactions can range from – This was a great season. Thank you so much for the good memories to this season was a disappointment. We expected more from this team. This wasn't the way we wanted it to end, etc. How do you personally define when you would fall on the disappointment side of things to the thanks for the memories? I had so much fun side of things. Or is there like different scenarios where one is proper and the other is not like if you win MLS Cup? That's when you can say you had a great season and if you lose MLS Cup, you can't say it was a successful season, or is it we thought we were going to do poorly, we made it to the playoffs, exceed expectations, thanks or what is it, Gavin? like I because there's so many reactions, right? and I want to take I want to take a second to get your opinion to get your perspective on it.
1: Yeah, good question. I, I think if you feel that your team has a realistic chance to win, MLS cup of getting or at least getting to the final. And then if you don't get there, it's going to feel like a gut punch, right? So St. Louis, Orlando city, Seattle, probably Cincinnati. Those fan bases are probably really feeling the hurt when they exited. Um, Cause they thought they had a chance to get to the final, which they did have a chance. They just, you know, they didn't win those, those key games. And so that feels like a gut punch. And that's like, Oh, really? Like, man, that one hurts. But then depending on your regular season, I think it goes to a thanks for the memories. Then if you're in that kind of bracket where it's like, oh, if we go on a run, we could get there. We'd have to get really lucky. So like an SKC, uh, you could say a Houston kind of fell into that bracket where Houston definitely needed to go on a run to get there. um, If they were to get to the final, even though there were many people's Not favorites, but like second favorites, like Dark Horse. That's the word I'm looking for to get out of the West. But so just to explain them as an example, um, maybe Atlanta, like, oh, if we go on a run, we can get to the final. They're probably more like. "Eh, That stinks, but whatever. But it's also not a thanks for the memories because the season wasn't amazing, right? Like SKC fans didn't have a great season. (laughs) They had a terrible start. They had a pretty mid to to fun end of season. It wasn't amazing. Probably great to see the team make the final. um, But then, or sorry, make the playoffs. It still wasn't a fun season. So overall, they're probably not like, thanks for the memories. It's probably like, oh, this sucks. We kind of had a mid season and then we just kind of had a mid playoffs.
0: What about us, Gavin? Cincinnati finished number 1 in the supporter shield standing, Orlando finished number 2 in the supporter shield standing. Neither of our teams made it to MLS Cup. Yeah, I
1: think I think that hurts cuz it's like, oh, we really really had an opportunity here. We really could have could have gone all the way. And you never know when you're going to get that opportunity again. Like I said about Orlando City, we were in good health across the board. We didn't have any suspensions. We were in good form. It hurt to go out of the playoffs because we had that opportunity. Cincinnati, the same thing. You guys, you know, you have that suspension, but overall, your team was looking good. You won the the supporter shield. You don't know when you're going to get this opportunity again. So um, it's it hurts. I think fans will eventually come around to. It sucks, but thanks for the memories.
0: Very interesting take. I think I agree with most of it. That's where I'm at with the Orlando City season at least. If Cincinnati, as the supporter shield winner, didn't make it to MLS Cup, is it a successful season if you were considered the best team in the league and did not make it to MLS Cup?
1: Maybe this is a question I wanted this is a question I wanted to ask, I think, but like, is Columbus the best team in the league at this moment in time? Like over the season, you guys were obviously the best, but like coming into this game. Columbus have really
0: hit form right and the fact that LAFC number three seed in the west and Columbus number three seed in the east have made it to the finals does that make and they went through some pretty good seeds to get there does that make them respectively their best teams in their conferences well yeah I I, well at this moment in time yes Right. right? Yeah, like I now suppose. it you know, depends it's...
1: when you're asking over the course of the season. St. Louis was the best team in the West. Now it's LAFC and now it's Columbus. But also, even though Columbus, like there are times when the better team loses a game. Right.
0: But we're Columbus or we're Cincinnati, the better team than Columbus. At no point during that night, barring, you know, maybe very, very short stretches in the first half.
1: So there you go. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I I think Columbus, for me, Columbus might be the best team in MLS right now at this point in time, probably heading into the Cincinnati game, too.
0: Yeah, I, Gavin, I said many, many weeks ago that I would rather play Orlando in the finals, and I feel vindicated in that. Take. You did say that. Yep, you did say that. I said weird things can happen in the hell is real matchup. And weird things did indeed happen. Weird things went down. And you know what else went down? Cincinnati went down. So grumble, grumble. Grumble, grumble. All right. Grumble, grumble. Uh, Gavin, maybe this episode can go down as well. What do you think? I think so. I think we've hit all our topics, right? We've hit all of our topics and the bonus topics. So. All right. There we go. Yeah. Do you have any other composer questions, facts, comments, concerns? Um,
1: I remember the name Mozart. Mozart uh, is a composer. After- correct after and we didn't talk about him and he's pretty legendary too so right had well, to which, give him
0: a shout which, one, out. which one's more legendary for you is it beethoven or mozart considering i was thinking of beethoven originally i don't know you're thinking of han zimmer originally and turns out you were wrong there so well no but
1: remember i kind of said um i don't know i had said something i said something and i was like i was thinking of an old an old guy i was thinking of beethoven that's what i was thinking of right well were well, you Mozart's thinking of beethoven the
0: too. beethoven the man or beethoven the dog no not beethoven the dog definitely not him all right that's all i got very good gavin thank you thank you thank you as always happy monday happy almost end of the mls season listeners thank you as always for tuning in we hope you've enjoyed the mls season we hope you continue to enjoy listening to these episodes and there's only a few left and then we'll get to the off season so gavin listeners till next time till next time